listening to RPC Ramblings, a podcast by Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. Hope you enjoy the chat. Well, hello and welcome to RPC Ramblings. Um, I am Alex Richardson, one of the discipleship workers at Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. And I am joined, as usual, with co-host uh, Leslie Ann Wilkinson. Hi, Alex. Hi, Leslie Ann. Leslie Ann is also one of the discipleship workers at Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. Uh, and we're also joined um, today with David McClellan. Hi, guys. Um, good to be back here. Hey, Dave. Hi, Dave. Uh, yes, many of you will know Dave. Dave has been an intern um, for the last uh, year at uh, Rich Hill um, Presbyterian. And we're also joined um, tonight with uh, Brian Savage. Hi. Hi, Brian. Um, how are you keeping? I'm doing okay. Good, good. And um, for uh, for our listeners, um, they may not. Um, I hope you don't find this offensive, but they may not know um, <laughs> who who you are, Brian. So, would you like to share uh, a little bit about um, uh, who you are? Well, uh, I am retired. I didn't need to tell you that. You could tell that, would agree? You're awful harsh on yourself. I, I used to be a minister. I was originally uh, born and brought up in Belfast, uh, but I haven't lived there for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm uh, locked up in Dollingstown. Um, and Anything we- else you could have to ask? Yes. Well, you said you haven't been in uh, you said you haven't been in Belfast for a very, very long time. Um, what has what has brought that um, about? Where all have you have you been um, since you've been out of Belfast? Well, I've had three charges in the course of my ministry. Uh, one down near Five Mile Town on the borderline between County Tyrone and County Fermanagh. Uh, one in Ballykeel. Uh, now, there are Ballykeels everywhere, but this one is on the outskirts of Palomino. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, in Kales, in County Meath, where I had a two-point charge with uh, a place called Irvi, which is actually the church of a village called Kingscourt, which I think is famous more for the home, being the home of Kingspan. Oh, I didn't really? know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. I wonder if any listeners from down there are thinking, what? People know we're here? <laughs> <laughs> They're so, so famous now. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Listening to the Ramblings podcast every day in the Kingspan factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I feel very uh, special people right now. Um, <laughs> um, and how, how have you and your, your wife, uh, Phyllis, I believe, yeah. how have you? Doing, um, how have you been doing? Sorry, um, during lockdown, we we entered um, lockdown with uh, Phyllis being a cancer patient. So um, we we really have been locked down. We've been staying at home, uh, only doing the necessary things, um, and uh, it's been okay. There's no, there's no point in fussing about it. It I is believe, what it is. 
That's it. I believe your garden is looking well, Brian. Have you been spending a lot of time outside? Yes. Uh, although I have to say, I'm only the undergardener. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Phyllis is the, the brains behind the operation, is she? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a I wise husband to admit that. <laughs> I cut grass and dig holes. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Well, I mean, it's it's good. It's not a bad thing to know. Um, to know your your limits potentially, or what you will have to know. Um, I feel like what Rachel tells me about our garden as well. I just I'm like, okay, Rachel, I trust you. Uh, that's my wife, Rachel. And uh, more than a, yeah, more than a, I trust myself. So. Um, Where's actually? Sorry, I'll. In the yeah. McClelland house, Dave, I believe you have been pretty busy in the garden. How, how did that all turn out? I don't want to say it turned out good, but it turned out better than what it was whenever I started, <laughs> which is a surprise and a success still in its own right. And um, to be honest, the moment that I sort of pick up power tools, it could go one of two ways, um, sort of trees on the ground or one of my fingers, but all seemed to go well. A good couple trips to the dump cleared. Um, a lot of painting was done, a lot of power washing was done, and a lot of weeding was done. But it, it looks better now. Good man. <laughs> so I'll take it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing on what Brian and Phyllis is, is you go around and it's like the Chelsea Flower Show. It's incredible. Oh, wow. And they come around ours and it's, it's just no weeds and we see that as a success. <laughs> oh, wow. That is success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've been well impressed by Dave actually from what you know what you've been sharing and saying and how you've been getting on the garden. I was yeah, well impressed. So yeah. I know, but none of you have seen it, so you don't know if Matthew's telling the truth yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah, wait until our lockdown. Um, yeah. Um, well, thank you both for uh, joining us um, to to chat tonight. We're, we're going to be thinking about God being um, glorious and God being majestic. Um, We'll, we'll jump in. We'll start off with God and um, being glorious. Um, uh, as you know, if you've been listening, we've been um, talking about the attributes of God. We've been we've covered a, a lot of attributes um, at quite a, a rapid pace, it, it may seem. Um, but yes, tonight we're thinking about God being glorious and majestic. So um, what do we mean when we say that God is glorious? Where do we maybe see evidence of that in, in Scripture? Well, uh, I would have thought that the, the go-to place on the glory of God is actually Second Corinthians 3 and 4. Uh, I mean, there are Old Testament examples. Mm -hmm. uh, Moses' experience, Moses' desire uh, to see the glory of God mm -hmm. uh, when he's on Mount Sinai. It Paul takes up that theme in Second Corinthians and has quite a lot to say about the glory of God in those two chapters. As uh, he talks about the gospel uh, to the people in that church, how how does that show us? Um, how does that show us the glory of God? Just almost briefly, how quickly could we sum it up? Because I know it's it's something that talks about. He talks about the light of the gospel. He talks about these treasures and jars of clay, and particularly in chapter four. Um, how how does that show us God's glory? 
what does that outwork does? Well, I think I think basically fundamentally he's saying that Jesus is the glory of God, mm. and that's why I think it's more helpful than the Old Testament example, because the glory of God in the Old Testament is a barrier. Mm. Um, Moses come down from the mountain, and even the reflected glory of God in his face is such that he has to wear a mask, very topical, yeah. <laughs> uh, to prevent people from being struck down by the reflected glory that he has. Whereas in the New Testament, the glory of God is Jesus Christ. And it is something that people, that the Lord's people are expected to see because it's theirs by revelation. Unbelievers cannot see it mm. because their, their, their sight is veiled. So but the, we see it. Sorry. No, so, so the glory of God in the, in the Old Testament, you're saying is something that um, can't be, be, be seen. It's, it's, it's restrictive. Um, you know, Moses desires an exodus to see um, God's glory. Um, and, and yet he can't. Um, I even think about is it, is it one Samuel um, four five and uh, maybe oh maybe six where um, the Ark of the Covenant returns um, to be with with the Philistines and um, or, or, sorry it returns from being with the Philistines. The Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant uh, in one Samuel four I think and then it's returned. They have an awful bother with it and they return it in one Samuel um, six and. Uh, the people open the, the the Ark of the Covenant and um, they're struck down. Um, there's 70, 70 are sh men are, are struck down um, as, as the Ark of the Covenant is, is opened and um, such is the, the holiness or, or the glory um, of God. And I think that's another example of how it's, it's, it's restrictive. Yes, I think you need to tread very carefully there, but due to the film, you can get the impression that the glory of God is locked up in the box, mm -hmm. which it's not. The glory of God is not um, in, in, in a box. How can we then define um, the, the glory of God? You know, what can we say about um, the glory of God if we, if we want to trade carefully um, and say that the glory of God's not limited to, to a box? The Old Testament. Well, again, I, I I come back to the thing that Jesus is the glory of God revealed. So, if you want to see the glory of God, you look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, Paul Paul's phrase there is he talks about uh, us being able to see the light of the gospel of the glory. Of Christ, who is the image of God, mm. and, and we and we Christians Christians see it. They there is there is a a, a glory an awe. I I would think that that would probably come up. I would prefer to deal with that under Majesty. Mm. The two things are, are well linked. 
yeah. in, in, in your thinking and uh, there is not a sharp line between them. They bleed into one another in, in, in both directions. But as Paul, as Paul talks about that Old Testament experience and what it, its significance is for Christian people uh, today, he, his, his whole point is that whereas Moses in the Old Testament could not see the glory of God, uh, it is different for us because he actually uses the phrase we all we all see the glory of God in Christ because God has has revealed him to him, him to us and when we see God's glory we 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 should be looking at Christ it's not an abstract thing mm. And and I mean I I know that you can take the attributes of God and deal with them uh, in philosophical terms, detached from any sort of Christian light and experience. But that's not what we ought to be about. We ought to be thinking: How does this impinge in in our in our life and Christian experience? And and this is it. You want to see the glory of God? You look at Jesus. So, I I do have a question. How can, like, how can we look at the example of, say, Moses in Exodus thirty three, where he wanted to see God's glory, but but Moses couldn't? Um, if God is unchangeable across all three persons of the Trinity, how can we see God's glory revealed in Christ, but we aren't able to see it, or Moses wasn't able to see it revealed through the Father? Is it not the same glory? It isn't diminished in Christ. It isn't increased in the Father. Um, what is the difference? Or even now, like God's glory revealed to us through Scripture by the Holy Spirit within us, it's the same glory. But why does it not have the same effect on us? Is it because, is it because we as Christians have had our eyes opened and are made righteous through Christ and so the sin that we would have had, that the glory would almost look on and shine into our hearts and reveal to us? is no longer there, but is instead on the person of Christ. Is that why we're able to do that now? Look at Jesus to see God's glory as opposed to car and fear away from it like it would have been with God the Father? Do you see my question? I, I, see, I, see, your, I see your question. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I, I, I think the answer to that is that there, there, is, there is a flow not in the... Uh, a, a change not in the nature of God. He is not more glorious now or less glorious now than than he was in Old Testament days, but in what has been revealed about that glory. Okay. And th there there are the instances in the Old Testament um, where the glory of God is. Uh, a way of speaking about his presence among his people. So the glory of God comes and dwells in the tabernacle when it is first erected. And the glory of God comes to the temple whenever Solomon uh, completes it. But it is the, the glory of God for and with his people is his presence among them. 
And that is supremely what Jesus is. He is God made flesh among his people. We are also changed in, and I have to tread carefully here, but we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live after his death and resurrection and ascension. And we are called, therefore, in a different way in which Old Testament people were. And what we are called to and by is the gospel, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, mm. who is the glory of God. So then is it in some part, Brian, that Christ as our mediator makes visible the invisible God? And this is just another aspect of that. Is that, is that fair to say that that's part of the God man is that he makes known to us and makes accessible to us the full glory of God because he is our mediator? Yes. And also because... The philosophical way of looking at the attributes of God are something that he he has in and of himself quite independently of whether they were human beings or not. Mm-hmm. And there is a sense in which, of course, that is true, that God mm-hmm. would be glorious even if we were not had never been created. But the God whom we worship is also the creator God who has made us. Mm-hmm. The wonder of the universe, I would suggest to you, is is not its complexity and it's not its size. Uh, it, it's the wonder of the universe is that a holy, all-powerful creator God should choose mm. to save people like you and me. Mm. Yeah. And that's his glory. Mm. And we, we see that made flesh mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus Christ who came and who died. Mm. Mm. What um what implications do you think this has for us as you know, you 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 talk there about us as human beings? God has made us. God has revealed Himself to us. Has revealed His His glory uh, to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, you know the the gospel of how um God has saved and rescued people and in jesus christ is is his glory um on display um what implications does this have for for us um you know uh, uh, as human beings um for how we might even worship god um yeah what implications does this have i think it changes everything it's a really sort of vague answer but it completely reshapes our way of living and thinking if we recognize that that god is the glorious one that it was god the wonder of the universe is that it is this glorious god revealing christ that chose as you say brian to come down and save us not this philosophical abstract idea of what we think glory may or may not be but what glory is revealed in jesus and what that allows us to do that allows us to come and worship the Father, that allows us to come and give him the glory, mm. to recognize him as the one who is the sum of all of these attributes that, that we are thinking about, to recognize that he is the one who opened our eyes to see his glory. Not sort of this 
glory barrier that you touched on earlier in the Old Testament, like this just bright shining light, but the glory and the goodness of his character, the the love that's there, the the majesty that's there, as you said, they sort of bleed into each other. It's mm-hmm. the wisdom that's there, the the knowledge that's there, the independence that he is in and of himself that's there, the just all these things that we've thought about. It allows us to to live our life to his glory. It allows us to live our life of recognizing that he is the one above all and we can do that. And that's what's best for us. It's not something that we can do if we're free in the evenings. It's something that we do that we build our whole lives around with the sole purpose and focus of doing. Yes, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. And you asked particularly about worship. My answer to that is that if if we have a proper sense of the of the glory of God, we 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 learn the basic lesson that worship is not about us. What do you mean? Like what, well, what, is, what does worship that is about us look like? It looks like most worship that I see. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what does that look like, even, even practically? And then sort of what does true worship of a glorious God look like? Sort of both sides of this coin. Well, I don't think we should ever do anything in worship because people would like it. But I, as I listen to people talking about worship and worship services and what goes, goes on in their congregations, I find that it's almost entirely done at that level. At least it's too frequently done at that level. That we, we have, there is a certain um, constituency that we want to attract mm. in, into our our own congregation and so we structure our worship to please them um, you, you, you know you, even I know this this dates me because I can remember things that you couldn't possibly remember <laughs> but you know we, we just talk about seeker friendly churches mm. the church isn't about being friendly the seekers, or anyone else. Church is about the glory of God. Mm. Mm. It's about glorifying God. Mm. God, the, the psalmist uses the phrase that God is enthroned. Mm. Maybe we're treading in, into, the, into majesty here, but he's enthroned on the praises of his people. And I st- I'm old. I know I'm old, and, and uh, I'm grumpy. <laughs> I, I struggle sometimes to see how God is enthroned in some of the things that are passed in worship. I don't want to go down that road. That's your choice. You ask me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think another thing. I know I know times moving on, and we want to get to God being. Um, majestic and talking about that yeah um, yeah what do we mean um when we talk about god being um majestic where do we see that in scripture now you've begun to touch on it um brian with uh, god being enthroned um but what, what do we mean by god being majestic where do we see that in scripture well i i think 
I think it's it's everywhere in scripture. I mean, I think sometimes our problems with with some of these concepts that are very alike uh, is that um, they, they 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 blur because we deal obviously with. Uh, the scriptures in terms of translation and sometimes the translators mm-hmm. uh, use words synonyms mm-hmm. interchangeably and there's not there's not the consistency if you if you see God's majesty as being his royal power then you see it everywhere he he is the king of kings and lord of lords that is what he is and what he does and he, and he mm-hmm. He, he rules the nations, mm. even in the Old Testament, which is focused on one nation. There, there are very frequent glimpses of, of the fact that he rules other nations as well. Mm. And that things are moving uh, at, at his speed and in his direction. Now, Again, you do this, and I don't know what has gone before. You, you can blur into sovereignty on the other side, mm. and very often use the sovereignty of God to speak of His rule and of His control. Yeah, I think that the idea of kingship, though, um, is, and you know, He does things at His pace and in His time. Um, how do we see that? Do you know, I loved how you brought um, us to, to Jesus. Mm. Um, as beholding the glory of God, how do we see God's majesty um, in Jesus? How do we see Jesus as as majestic? The gospel as as majestic. Well, I I, I think you see Jesus consistently majestic throughout all the gospels. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 goes he goes on and in situation after situation. He's in control. Mm. I mean, when when the disciples are in the boat with him and it, it's it, it's it's stormy, he's the one who's in control. Whenever the uh, the crowd are, are there listening to him and there's nothing uh, for them to eat, the disciples are panicking, but he's in control. Um, even in the course of the last week of his life, from the moment mm-hmm. that he arrives on Palm Sunday, uh, there's hostility and the plots and the plans are going on always in the background and you can explain uh, in, a, in a sense uh, the, the events purely in terms of what the high priest is doing and what Judas did and what Pilate did and all the rest but Jesus is always obviously in control mm. and even on the cross mm. he's in mm. control and, and scripture is fulfilled stage by stage. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that's often something that we, we don't necessarily think about as, as maybe, yes, God is majestic. But, you know, when we think of Jesus, maybe not the first thing that comes to mind is that Jesus is, is majestic. You know, maybe we often think of Jesus as, as loving as gracious, uh, as merciful, um, and that's those things are are very true of Jesus. But um, you know, we're talking about Jesus being majestic here, and how we see that in all of the Gospels. How does that um, 
truth, that reality, um, comfort us, shape our, uh, our, our everyday living? How does that inform how we might um, go about um, living our lives? Well, knowing that Jesus is in control should influence the way in which we react to certain to all circumstances in our lives, mm. especially the difficult ones. Um, our calling is to be like Him, so Jesus is in. Uh, control because he's there and he's doing his father's will and we are exactly the same uh, and we ought to be aware that that control is still there and that he is still the king of kings mm -hmm. and we should not just see him as limited to the church as we so often do. Mm. There is no place where um, he opts out mm. of his authority over the nations of the world. Mm. And if you, if you look at the issues that we have uh, before us today, I mean, with COVID-19, uh, God's majestic control of the world is displayed in that it's not a quest it's not mm -hmm. a question that, that he's lost his grip mm -hmm. uh, if you think of the the crisis that we had before this one uh, about that uh, global global warming, I mean, these things are not happening independently of God. And it, it ought to, there ought to be a distinctive Christian response to these things. Mm. If we see God as being the sovereign ruler of the world, mm. his kingly power extends to that. Now, again, I, I'm not out and about very much, so I'm not talking to as many people as I, as I would used to. But in the course of the conversations that I've had, and in the in the course of the, the things that I've eavesdropped into on the uh, at the internet, it's not. It wouldn't be immediately apparent to a stranger. Mm -hmm. If the people who are holding the debate on the topic of the virus or on the topic of global warming where Christians are not, there's something wrong there. Because one group of people believes that, that God in his majesty rules and the other group do not. Mm. But if you can't tell them apart, Mm -hmm. It's funny, Brian, we had um, previously talked about the sovereignty of God um, and I think this is actually something that we had said after recording, Alex, I think we had already stopped our conversation, but we were saying that it's one of those truths that's easy to confess with our lips, but not necessarily to trust 
And I think that's the same as what you're saying now, that it's easy for us to affirm that God is majestic, that he is over all things, but it's whether or not our lives reflect that we believe that reality or not. Um, for if they did, we, we wouldn't be panicked. We wouldn't be shaken by things happening in the world. Um, we wouldn't be reacting as though we are hopeless, just like our non-believing friends and neighbours are. Um, it really should have those practical outworkings, shouldn't it, to show that we do have this, this firm trust in a majestic God. Mm. I guess I, I think that's, that's true. We've got a great sense that what is happening is unique, mm -hmm. which, it's, which it's not. Mm. Christians in these, in these islands, for, for example, have in the, in the past uh, lived through much greater plagues than the current one. I'm not at all diminishing or underplaying the sufferings of the people mm -hmm. who have been bereaved or the people who have died or the people whose lives and health has been totally changed by COVID-19 virus. I'm just saying that people have been here, Christian people have mm -hmm. been here before. Mm -hmm when a higher proportion of people died. Mm. And, and one of the things that brought them through was that they really did believe that in spite mm. of everything, God was there. He was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm. And they, they, held, they held on to him. But as they explained things, they talked about him. He was in their conversation. Mm. In the thoughts, it needs to be in ours too. Mm. And I mean, how can a like how can a God who we're saying is glorious, if we have seen His glory in Jesus Christ, um, if this is the God who we um, believe has dominion over all things? I mean, it's more of a question of why. Like, how can we not? Mm -hmm. talk um about this god um and share this god because he offers um so much hope and comfort um and peace actually um as we place our trust in him and look to him um we actually have a better grasp a, a clear grasp of reality um mm -hmm. when things are are about god his glory and his majesty um completely i unfortunately think um our, our time is is probably up um which is really unfortunate i have really yeah. enjoyed um this conversation um david and brad thank you so much mm -hmm. um for for coming on and for uh, and yeah for, for sharing um with us and talking with us about god being glorious and majestic um so so thank you um to everyone who uh, was listening as well, we hope that you have uh, found this uh, as beneficial as I have, mm -hmm. uh, certainly. Um, and yes, we, we look forward to, uh, to seeing you again soon. And um, love you and we miss all of you who uh, are tuning in to this podcast. But take care until we see you again. Thank you. Mm -hmm.